Good morning, everyone. Good job, Kirk. That could have been better. Good morning, everyone. <laughs> Just busting out. <laughs> the beard's coming in so fast, man. Um, <laughs> I'm envious. I'm just going to tell you I got to deal with that. So listen, um, I want to jump right into this. Um, I don't react. I don't, I don't preach up here in reaction to anything. I don't react to good or bad. I don't do social issues. I, on Saturday, I come here and uh, I say, Lord, what do you want to say? What do you want to talk about? And I was actually really grateful. Yesterday, uh, the whole message came out and I was able to take the kids to Higley and go fishing. That was cool. Normally, my Saturdays are completely shot, but we went fishing and Alex caught a sunfish, which was really cool. They're strong, huh? As far as fish go, because he caught a uh, perch the day before and Izzy caught a shiner. And she thought this is the coolest thing ever. Of course, we did put them in the pond, by the way. We're going to see how that goes. And uh, she caught a sunfish yesterday. That might not be a big deal to you, but it is a big deal to me. Because I work, if, if you count watching kids and being a stay-at-home dad, I work seven days a week. So I got to go with my whole family somewhere yesterday. I was really, really impressed with that. So thank you, Lord. But I'll tell you this. This could be a really difficult message. <laughs> I'm, I'm serious. Let's look at these slides. And again, I'm not reacting, but I'll tell you why it makes sense to me. So this is Matthew 28, of course, Matthew followed Christ Jesus around. He was as forgiven as anybody in this room, I'll tell you what. But uh, the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him. This is when he rose, of course. This is right at the end of Matthew. And some doubted, because you know what, guys? That just happens. You know what I'm saying? But anyway, Jesus came and said, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Time out. You got to let that sink in, dude. We got to let that sink in, Lyle. The, the, the authority, all authority is his over cancer over kitty cats over all 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 the all all been given to me next therefore because all authority has been given to me you hinge on that go and make disciples or followers go to all nations baptizing them in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit teaching them to obey everything i've committed to you and surely i'm with you always to the end of the age there's a lot in there number one if you're a racist you're going to hate heaven because it's going to be the most diverse place you've ever <laughs> you can laugh at that. You can laugh at that. Because Jesus never said it was for black people, white people, red skin. All, all nations of all time periods. All, 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 all. And then they'll do the outward sign of an inward change in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus just called himself God, by the way. Because he said Father, Son, Holy Spirit together as one equal. Ooh, so any religion, every other one that says Jesus isn't God lied to you. Do you understand that? Okay, get with me today. Head nods and stuff. I need you because I got to move fast. Teaching them to obey everything they do and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. That's a, that's a big one that we're never actually alone. That Jesus, Jesus shows us transdimensional properties. That he's always here. It's just when he wants to be perceived, right? Boom, I'm in the upper room. Now touch me. I'm not a ghost or an apparition. I'm here in this dimension now because I'm occupying it now. Get it? I know that's hard. I know that's hard. But he's like all dimensions, all dimensionality, and then boom, in our, th in our three, and then out, out of our three again. Deal with it. If you've got science-minded family members, tell them that and have them talk to Uncle AJ. So my first thought is this, guys. We have to, I don't know if you know this about churchy church church, but um, you got to file a bunch of papers and stuff. <laughs> You got to answer to people like I, I'm a man under authority. I have a superintendent and blah, 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 blah. And lots of times they send these reports and they're like, how are things going? Uh, are you uh, are you pushing small groups? Are you how many people have you baptized? Uh, you know, and then one of them was our whole leadership had to say, do you have a clearly defined plan of discipleship for people? Church known. And, and I was like, what, like a class or like a, a course? Because 
no, no, I, I don't necessarily have that. Now, I'm not writing this message in response to it, but all of a sudden I could see God use that and said, all right, listen, you're, AJ's very staunchly against. First off, I'm, I had to learn to like church, okay? I'm not naturally a very churchy guy. It's true. But when I hear like, do you have a carefully designed plan, like a packet you can give out? And then God goes, hold on, but what did I say? I said, therefore, go and make disciples. I did not say go and make fans of me, says Jesus. I did not go and say make members of church. I said go and make followers, disciples, people after me. So then I, I heard what the district is saying, and I said, all right, I'm not just going to poo-poo this, because that was my first instinct, like, yeah, whatever. We're doing our best. Leave us alone. But I was like, you know what? Let's make sure we are leading people toward this. So here's what I'm going to do today, and this is why it might be a little dry and difficult. I'm going to give you my thoughts, just my thoughts and some wisdom about discipleship, having to do not with this church. This is not a vision casting Sunday or anything. This is literally on the individual level. I'm going to do what God has called me to do, and I'm going to cut away anything that Jesus didn't say that maybe we've taken in on ourselves, okay? Amen? Interesting? Good? Thank you. This frames everything. Number one, number one I'm about to tell you, take this over everything. Discipleship in Jesus Christ costs you. Understand that. The American church tries to pump following Jesus as something that is, 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 is that you receive and it's a giving. Jesus says before, count the cost. Understand, following Christ Jesus will cost you. It will cost you, who knows? It is a sacrifice, okay? It's going against the grain of everyone around you. Your friends, news, culture, and even your family. People, people wonder when Jesus says, I did not come to bring peace but a sword. I came to divide father versus son, mother versus child. And they go, <gasps> and then wait, you ever been in a family where someone comes to Christ and the whole family starts to look to change direction? What does the darkness and light have to do with one another? I said last week, didn't I, Bruce? What happens when light is exposed to darkness? It destroys darkness, right? Let's not be surprised when the darkness of this world says, there's the light of Christ Jesus. We don't want it. Get it? I know I'm throwing a lot. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm just saying this. Jesus said it is a narrow road. It is not popular. Broad is the way that leads to destruction, but narrow is the path that leads to salvation. And very few find it. Now, it could be the destruction of your self-identity. It could be the destruction of, of your marriage. It could be the destruction of your family. I understand that. He's, he's also talking about your eternal uh, destination. But understand this. Very few find it. If you ever find yourself surrounded by a mass of people all heading in, in, the right, in, in this direction, you're probably going the wrong way. Do you understand? <laughs> That's why, guys... <sighs> I don't know. There's this trend where you want to grow a church and you want to have a lot of people in a church and all this sort of stuff. And I'm thinking to myself, if everybody's here, we're probably doing it wrong. Come on. Anybody? Can you get there with me? Because if it's uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ is foolishness to those who are per perishing, right? So if ever you're surrounded by a stadium full of people looking this way, you're probably going to want to get off that track because it's a narrow road. Jesus never said it would be easy following him. He never said it would be pain-free. I will remind you that every single one of his followers, except for one, died a gruesome, horrible murder death. You cannot look past that. Our leader that we follow died a horrible death. Do not forget this, okay? Sometimes, we, again, we look at, we look at following Christ as some sort of birthday party. It, it's a cost. It is trading the... You get what I'm trying to say, right? Yes, okay, because I have so much more... I want to remind you that every day, brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ are being murdered around the world. 
This is not back in the day. In fact, the rate of martyrdom is high. If you look across the world stage, you think, oh, the dark ages. Well, population boom, adjust for inflation. People are still being killed at an alarming rate because they won't let go of Jesus Christ. And so here's the posture. Sometimes we come in here and I get it. This is the Western world where you get a survey at Taco Bell. And how did we serve you? And survey, survey, survey. We've even stopped calling ourselves citizens and we call ourselves consumers. Citizen implies responsibility and nobody wants that anymore. That's why our kids are so messed up. But anyway. <laughs> Lyle gave me a solemn nod there. I want to give you something else too. This is, this is the posture I want to hear the rest of this message, okay? And I want to remind you that 17 years old, I had no idea about any of this meant. And I encountered him and he encountered me. I want to remind you of that. You get to follow Jesus. You get to. What a privilege to be able to gather here and look upon the King of Kings and Lord of Lords and be guaranteed eternal security. Do we understand that? And so often we walk in here and we look around or in our Christian walk, well, God, what have you done for me lately? And I, I'm ever mindful of the fact that what do you, you get to follow me. Oh, by the way, all authority is mine now and forever. And you can't even comprehend what I have prepared for you in this, after this small, finite existence. You get to follow me. Isn't that awesome? People broke through the crowds just to touch him. And not, maybe not just selfishly for those things. Wherever he is, there's life, there's hope. And guys, it's the only life and only hope. This is discipleship. This is discipleship. It is the prize. Okay, okay, okay. Discipleship. It's the call. It's the cost. It's the prize of our God, creator, and savior. Amen? Now let's actually get into this. Discipleship is basically like this. I'm going to get these churchy stuff off of you to make sure we're in compliance. I mean, individually. Discipleship to me is this. Um, do the things you see me doing. That's what I think discipleship is. Jesus wasn't the only one at the time who had disciples. There was lots of other rabbis walking around. Nathaniel was attached to another rabbi before he met Jesus. Nathaniel was in school and and so what they would do is they'd find a rabbi that they'd want to study under and they'd follow him around like an apprentice anybody ever work a, a job like that where you'd have to what would you do you do what they did when this happens do this when this happens do that right at the plant you don't go off willy-nilly you don't go right in the script thinking you could do better you humbly come, to, come underneath and emulate someone else that's discipleship do what i do do what you see me doing but i want to show you something cool that i discovered this week uh, my thoughts came together Jesus gave them the answer in John. I tell you the truth. The son, son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. What does that sound like? Discipleship, doesn't it? Next one, please. Elsewhere in John. For I did not speak of my own accord, but the father who sent me commanded me what to say and how to say it. <laughs> Two things. Jesus is called the author, the writer, and perfecter of our faith, Right? So if you want to know how to do this thing, you look at who? Jesus, right? And also, look at who, what gospel is this? John. John was writing to the church. So John wanted to make sure you today and me understood what discipleship is. Do you, do you really think the Son of God, one part of the three Trinity, what is, was he powerless? He's demonstrating something. Oh, and I believe he meant what he said, but I believe that's there for a reason, to emulate our Christian journeys. Does that make sense? Okay, this is going to be heavy today, I can tell. Heavier than I thought it would be. Okay, the church. I think the focus here is go and make disciples, yeah. He's basically saying this. I am a disciple of my father. I do what I see him doing. You do what you see me doing. 
And that'll be what, what, uh, what he's looking for. One of the things people I trust tell me is this. Because I honestly, listen, after that stuff, guys, <laughs> teachers are held to a different standard. You ever read that, Lyle? Dude, what the heck? How'd I find myself up here? I don't want that. I don't need a bigger target, man. I screw things up just fine on my own. But um, so I talked to some friends of mine that I care about and love. And I say this, and this is what led me to my next point. I said, I don't know, man. We're not doing classes of how to teach people how to behave and all this sort of stuff or, or that sort of stuff. And they say this, but you know what? From up here, and you can agree or disagree, it's fine, is this. Every week I try to point to you, you to a better way. That's what I try to do. And I think discipleship point number two is this. Jesus is always presenting to us a better way. The best way. Discipling is this. Whether it's you being a disciple of Jesus or someone discipling you is saying this. God knows and has a better way in every area of your life than your natural inclining. Right? And that's discipling. And, and like I said, I'm constantly trying to do that. When we're discipling people, it's modeling the behavior Jesus modeled and thinking about it, but it's also understanding why Jesus did what he, what he did. Now, here's the cool part if you walk through the, uh, the Gospels. You'll see this. On, aside from a couple occasions, Jesus makes it very clear why he's doing what he's doing. You understand that? Discipling is not just blindly blah, blah. It's coming to an understanding of the way and why Jesus is doing what he's doing. So it's do what I do, but also understand why. And if you don't believe me, look at when he tells the same parable in three different ways. The lost coin, the lost sheep, and the lost son. He's making sure that people, when they, when they lean in, can understand why he's doing that. Why he's doing what he's doing on a broader scope, right? Why did he sit and talk to a woman by a well? A notoriously sinful woman at, at midday. And as they followed him, he gave them the answer throughout time. You get it? So discipling is do what I do, but number two is this. Understand my why. And most of it can be summed right up in John 3.16. Most of it can be summed up right there. But anyway, so discipling. Why was it a better way? Now, time out. We've gotten this wrong as humans at times. This will be my first, my first scalpel, as it, will, as it were. We shout the behavior. We correct behavior that's not the best way, but we often neglect the why. Do you understand that? We do that. We sit there and go, oh, that behavior's wrong. That behavior's wrong. And we never realized Jesus didn't just do that, did he? You, come here. How many husbands you've had? Huh? No, he didn't do that. Moment in active adultery. Come here. What are you doing, man? Never did that without the why and full understanding. And sometimes we do that, even on our social media. Um, we depart from him and his ways when we start jamming things down people's throats or ignoring things and not presenting his better way of doing things. But this leads me to my biggest point. Hear me. Just try to take what you can out of this. Discipling can only come in relationship. That's what we've missed as a church to a degree. In other words, discipling is do as I do. Let me understand why. But the problem at times is we expect people to change the behavior and emulate Jesus before they've even met him. You get what I'm saying? We even look at our country and, our, and the laws and things like this and we're, we're acting people, asking people to act like Jesus and they don't know him. And that's wrong on every account. And I can tell you why I know that. Very basically. Peter, follow me. And it's some time later that he says, Peter, who is it you'd say that I am? Notice he didn't have to have it on the jump. It came within relationship. And I'll tell you something, man, when it comes to discipling, which is helping people to follow, blah, blah, blah. You know, I've told you five times. It's this. Don't talk about my behavior if you don't love me. Do you understand that? 
I'm not going to hear it. I'm not going to receive it. And neither are your friends, your family members, or your neighbors. If you don't love them, then don't you dare correct their behavior as long as it's not harmful to others. You know what I'm trying to say? I would, I would ask for a show of hands, but I'm not going to do that to people who've been beat up by religious family members whom, if you, could, if you were on a polygraph, they cared more about you changing your behavior than they cared about holding on to, hugging, and loving you. And that's not Jesus. That's the church. That's humanism. And it's control, manipulation. It's I'm better than you. And that's not discipleship. So they ask, are you discipling people? And I want you to ask in your own life, am I, am I looking to what Jesus is doing and trying to do what he did? And, and, and am I seeking to understand why he did the things he did? And do I understand that the only reason I'm looking toward him is because he's good and because he loves me? He knows best. Sometimes we've labeled discipleship as actually just teaching conservative, wholesome living. And that's not worship of Jesus Christ, right? Lots of churches bring people in, put them on a conveyor belt, stop wearing those jeans, don't you dare wear a tank top, change your hair, stop smoking, don't drink. Oh, look, he's a follower of Jesus. No, he still has no idea who Jesus is in his life. But he sure looks good, and now he's part of the Kiwanis or whatever. You get what I'm saying? And that's dangerous because that person will think they're good and they're not. I'll tell you what Walter Martin says about Mormons. They're perishing with Bibles in their hands. That's their own perversion. That's what they've done. And that is true. But they're the nicest, smiliest, friendliest people. Jesus never said discipleship means be nice, smiling, friendliest. It says, follow me. Get it? And also your leaders, flannel or skinny jean. I don't care what they're wearing. Sometimes they mix the two, which is disgusting. <laughs> there should be rules. Listen, if I get up here and ever depart from that, lovingly tell me and I will quit my job. Because if I get up here and try to get you to act like or get you to change like, then I'm standing in the way of you and Jesus. And heaven forbid, Lord, don't let me do that. And our leaders often do that. <clears throat> okay. Discipling person to person comes from relationship. It's knowing someone has the best intentions for you and you're moving forward. Now, Here's the thing. I'm choosing a rough example right now because I want to understand something else about discipling. And if you trust me to tell the truth, then understand. Do we know, have we resigned inside of every, every one of our hearts, this is so counterculture, cultural, that the word of God is the only truth. Some people call it biblical authority. You Listen, the first thing about discipleship is this. There's six different dudes walking around Galilee there's Yeshua, other guy, Barabbas, blah, 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 blah. Jesus always made it very clear, or even Elijah, choose, choose now whom you will serve. One of us has the truth, and the rest of them don't. Who is it? Well, I love Carl Jung. I do. I like Albert Einstein. I love other uh, clinical psychologists. I like Jordan B. Peterson. I like Socrates. I like all sorts of philosophy. Philosophy. But have I resigned myself into the fact that when God says something is true, right, and best, that's what it is. And when God says something is outside of his bounds of what he created, that's what it is. Let me choose a hard one just because that's my nature. When God says sexuality, homo or hetero, it doesn't matter. Sexuality is only to be expressed physically within the confines of marriage. I didn't say it, by the way. I don't write the mail. I deliver it. But if you need to beat me up, go ahead. But when he says that, do we go, mm, culture has ruled upon that and that's old. It's archaic. It's not true. Or do we realize, like it or not, that's the truth. 
You see what I'm saying? Well, there's three different stances in today's world. There's indifference. Don't care. Go to any college. I went to Plattsburgh State University. I didn't go to no Christian college. And mo most of the stance was this. I don't care what Jesus has to say about that. Indifference. You know, there's plenty of other things, voices to listen to. Number two, there's, okay, you've said it. It's true. That's it. Like, I, I, I don't always like it. I don't like, there's lots of, I'm going to come up with some more hot button issues here in a second. So strap in. When you've said it, you've said it. Boom. You're creator. I'm not. Now, listen, I may still not like it. That's okay. He didn't say joyfully understand all my commands. He just said, keep the commands, do what I do, right? The third stance is this. No, no, I don't like it. I think we nowadays know better. I think it's old, archaic, stupid thinking. I can do it on my own. For example, I want to learn good and evil on my own. I'm going to eat that fruit. I dealt with that firsthand when my wife and I decided to do that. When I changed direction and I decided to, to walk that out. And, and save that for, for our wedding night. And we got, we got shot from all different sides. People didn't understand. And they said, no, it doesn't have to be true. But I had a choice. When I read it, I went, okay, now I'm responsible for it. <laughs> Ask me if I liked it. <laughs> As a 25, 26-year-old man. You think I like that? No. You don't have to like it. By the way, remember my first thing? You get to follow this. You get to follow me. You get it? And we trust him. Now, let me dig a little deeper. The question is, who gets to define truth in a world that says everyone has their own little truth? Now, here's the problem. One of the reasons I think God wants to address this is because this is happening, these three choices, in churches today, too. As we speak, I have a friend whom we have meetings, as it were. He's a fellow pastor who said to me within the last month, I'm watching the death of my denomination right in front of me because we have decided globally to let go of God's truth. And they're having their annual conference. I think it was right now. I think it was this week. Where this one denomination, whom you all know very well, stood up and said, we see what the biblical truth is? No. And it exploded from the inside. You're going you're gonna to read about it in the coming, uh, coming weeks and months, and you're going to see the disbanding of a, of a church. And their official, their official stance has been this. We're letting go of biblical truth but we're going to let each church keep their building if they want to go their, their way. In other words, if you guys want to say that marriage is what marriage is, you guys can keep your building, but you're not affiliated with us anymore. You're going to watch one of the largest denominations in America and Europe explode in the next, couple, next year. And that's coming from the inside. My friend looked me in the eyes and told me that. And I retorted and I said, well, why the heck are you staying in that thing, man? And he said, I feel God's calling me to pull people out of this mess, to disciple them, to love them and show them the real Jesus Christ while all this stuff is, 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 is coming around them and crumbling. Do you understand what I'm saying? So why do you think God wants to talk about this? You think I get to stand up here and go, you know, guys, <laughs> it was written 2,000 years ago. And if you really want to do this one thing, meh, come on, man. Biblical truth is biblical truth, but entire millions of people are going to be affected by this decision. And I'll give you a hint. They're breaking apart because they're changing the definition of what marriage is and what marriage isn't. I'm just giving it. Delivering the mail. Have a good day. Does your dog bite? No? Okay. Get it. I'm the mailman. <laughs> Got Walt on that one. So let me, uh, let me make this a little harder for you. 
In a world where we all bear our own truth and our feelings are more important, we can be deceived into thinking we're disciples when we're not, and that's the problem. And I'm not saying anybody in this room or watching online isn't disciples. I'm saying this. i got to be responsible, and i got to preach true. So a couple other ones you might not like, and you can feel free to shoot me, like I said. Capital punishment. If you don't like capital punishment, I want to ask you a question. Who invented capital punishment? God did. God said if, if, if someone crosses this line, you kill them on the spot. You don't have to like it. If Christian were here, I'd say this. It doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter because he's God and you're not. So if you think capital punishment, how can Christians believe in capital punishment? Because we believe in biblical truth. I support capital punishment 100%. I don't like it. But I'm going, does God know how to create a society and raise his kids? Or do we? Because every society we've ever had has collapsed. Every empire has collapsed. We are the last empire. We seem to know what we're doing. No, we don't, do we? Come on, knock it off. We're eating the apple every day, eating the fruit. What's another one people don't like? <laughs> um, oh, I'll tell you one. You expect me to talk about abortion or something, but I'm going to talk about something even harder. God tells you to forgive everybody that wrongs you, including people who've abused you, marginalized you, trampled you, and changed your life. So you can argue about someone else's abortion, but forgiving everybody? Don't act like we like that. That's horribly hard. Show me a slide, man. I think we have one, right? Therefore, go and Ephesians, go for and forgive. Okay. Well, I had an Ephesians. That I thought I did. I, I meant to put in Ephesians. Um, forgive as you've been forgiven. Like we don't have a choice. No, we're good. Don't, don't worry about it. I want to stress you out. You all know you're supposed to forgive every single offense, every single time. Don't let the sun go down in your anger. Like, again, stop talking about wars and what countries are doing. If you have not fully forgiven everyone in your life, then we're not emulating Christ and what he taught us. And again, what did he say in the cross as they were brutally murdering him? Forgive them, Father. They don't know what they're doing. They don't, for, they don't fully understand how much they're hurting me and how much I love them. Now, listen, no one's coming at you, but I'm saying that's discipleship. We don't get to look at it and go... I'm not going to forgive that person. I don't have, that doesn't apply to me. No, it does apply to you. Then you go work it out. Now I'm going to get to my hardest part that I'm probably going to lose the, the other third of you that were still with me on this one. Ready? Discipleship is this. It's saying, you are good. I trust you. And therefore, I choose to accept that your ways are true, right, and best. And people think this. Uh, and, and to change the way I'm doing things, right? To be conformed to his image. Let's see, I thought it was... Anyway. Okay, here we go. Fourth quarter. Discipleship is not your ability to change on your own. That's church and box checking. And that was somebody told you that. Discipleship is trusting the giver. Um, the, the giver of the way, right? <clears throat> it's also trusting him to change you as you're being transformed and conformed. Now, here's what church and humanism will say. Step one, trust Jesus. Step two, face the word, accept the word, even in the hard things. And step three, live it out. Eh, wrong. You just fell into religion. Just like that. Do you understand me? So what did I say? Do what I do, says Jesus. Understand the why. Do it lovingly. Number two, face it. What it says about sex, your body, uh, nutrition, all the crap we don't want to look at. Accept it, that it's true. And number three, change. Eh, no, it doesn't. It does not say that. It says you be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So here's what religion does, and we think we're disciples when we're not. Okay, Jesus, I want to do your thing. 
Ooh, I see what you say about smoking or whatever. I don't care. Number three, doggone it, I'm going to do this. Eh. Nope, you stopped following. Because actually following him is letting him do what he's going to do in his timing. We talked about this. Does anybody here for the passive openness and active openness that I taught? Where we're always saying, Lord, I'm open, show me. But there's active openness where when you run against something that doesn't come against his word, you don't change it. You just hold it up to him. How do I want to do this? If all of a sudden, I would give stuff in my life, but I don't feel like being that vulnerable today. <laughs> uh, no, I can, I can do one. I can do one that's pretty challenging. So um, when it comes to relating to people or let's say the opposite sex, um, his idea of love, agape love, self-sacrificing love, understanding that my wife and I have unique challenges that God elected for us to become like Christ. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, you can't just look at your spouse and go, oh, the wonderful things are a gift from God. No, all the bad things inside your spouse are also gifts from God to make you more like him. <laughs> Bill, what I'm saying is this. If all of a sudden, because <laughs> I don't want to give a marriage talk right now, but I want to, I want to say this. <laughs> I want to say this. The first few years of marriage, we always stand there and go, thank you for this, this, this. He's so this, this, and this, and this. Well, Let's pick on one thing. Let's say somebody is um, indecisive. Let's say I look at my wife, or, or you metaphorically look at your wife and go, you're so indecisive. And God could say, yeah, I totally picked that in her and brought it to you because you really need to understand and trust who you are, and you need to step up as a leader. If she were more decisive, you'd stay a little worm. Get it? So did he choose her beautiful this and her... All the good stuff. Oh, yes, Lord. She's dead. No, I specifically chose all the bad things inside of her, too, for the greater good of conforming you to my image because you're going to spend eternity next to me and her. Nobody amen on that one. That's a, that's a hard one. But when I realized, like, <clears throat> ah, I can't get personal. Man, <laughs> I don't want to do that. What was I going with that? Where was I even going with that? I have no idea. Someone needed to hear it. There you go. That's what I'll choose to believe. Oh, man, yeah, I have no idea. Okay, let me circle back to this thing. <clears throat> the passive openness, the active openness. Step three is always rely on God. It's not change yourself. If all of a sudden <clears throat> I encounter something in the Bible, let's say, about, all right, let's say an addiction. It says food for the stomach, stomach for the food, or be not drunken with wine leads to uh, debauchery or whatever. And I look at it and go, oh, that runs into my life. The first thing I do is I don't try to change it because there you go. All of a sudden you're discipling yourself. Here's what you do instead. Hey Lord, I don't, I don't think that like in my life, I'm just kind of forgiveness. If you can't forgive today, okay, but are you holding it up? Lord, I'm not ready to forgive him. He really hurt me. I see what you say. And I agree with you. I agree with you completely. I don't like it, but, but I'm willing. Do you get it? Why do we think discipleship is clean, clean up your act? Go tell Peter that because he never got cleaned. <laughs> but was he a disciple? He was one of the disciples, right? Okay, now here's my final point, and I love it. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be the last one that gets away cultural Christianity. Number one, I'm going to give you two different people. Person number one, born, grows up. Never really had a taste for drug and drugs and alcohol. Just didn't like them much. Me, just me. So the person just never abused drugs or alcohol. It was no big deal. Number two, 
person number two, oh, really has a taste for drug and alcohol, has some things in their lives that they want to escape, likes to just kind of chill out, whatever. This person leans heavily on drugs and alcohol. They hurt themselves. They hurt other people. But then they meet Christ Jesus. They start to trust him. They face what he says about where we lean our lives. And uh, what we look to for things. And he says, okay, I choose to agree that that's truth. And I submit myself to you, Jesus. Which is the disciple? Okay, we got a few people. People saying two. Hold on. But we don't act that way. We don't. We look at the person who doesn't, who, who's not getting drunk, who's not abusing, uh, whatever it is, because food is a drug too. Hello. Greed. Do you know God talks more about, Jesus talks exponentially more about greed than any other sin? Y'all want to talk about homosexuality and stuff like this. Do you know he talks more about greed? Do you know that he never, ever, ever uh, admon like, uh, propels selfish ambition? It's a problem in American churches. When our churches are being built on people's selfish ambition, what I mean is this. You can't build a $6 million building without Tommy neglecting his family, but he just gave $10,000. See why you don't hear these messages with the skinny jeans? Come on, guys. Because it's okay as long as you're giving, but your kids need you and you're climbing the corporate ladder. And how many golf rounds are you? I've gone off. I've gone off. No, seriously, we're all looking at hot button issues. You know what's hot button to Jesus Christ? Living a life fully open and relying upon him. Give to the people around you. And where's I going with this? So, number one or number two? Person number one or person number two? Because person number one looks more like Jesus. I don't drink, smoke, chew, or hang out with chicks who do. I don't use bad language. I don't have a temper. Number two. Oh, I, I kind of got you too. Let me read you or recap what I said before we get ready to close here. I said that person has a taste for drugs and alcohol. They meet Jesus Christ. They understand what he says. I never said they gave up drugs and alcohol, did I? <laughs> did you notice? How about they died in their sin? Which one was the disciple? Because you said number two, and I agree with you. I agree with you. We're all looking at the finished product as though button-down shirts, tithing, not swearing, don't go to R-rated movies, is a disciple. That has nothing to do with it. God looks at the heart. And some of the messiest people you've ever met will be the ones right at Jesus' feet when you, uh, when you go. And if a church that you've ever been to has pushed outward appearance and change, leave there. Run, 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 because you're a disciple of that pastor and not Jesus Christ. That's tough, huh? Who am I? I don't know. If I'm wrong, fire me. That's fine. Like I said, I don't want to be the guy that distracts. So what are we going to do today? Nothing. Nothing. What you're going to do is simply examine your own heart, man. Because if I told you to do something, that'd be me discipling you. You get it? You get what I'm saying? Examine your own heart and say, look, was I looking for outward change? Am I beating myself up because I'm not here yet? Nobody said here yet is the measure. He said this, follow me. And you will be conformed to the image of Christ. Don't close down. Now, here's the thing. Oh, no, you don't mean that. Or societally even. Oh, you don't mean that. that no, stop it. He's God. You're not. Just face the truth. One last thing I'm going to say, and then we're going to sing. We're going to sing Good Father, because I want to remind you, all of this, even the hard stuff, forgiving, sexuality, whatever it is, it all comes because he's a good father. Every single rule, boundary, limitation he places, because he's a good dad. Don't overdo this. It'll destroy you. Don't keep your love away. Don't build walls because intimacy on this earth is a gift. Push through it. Be faithful. Be faithful because that's the only way you're going to experience love because I'm faithful. Get it? All of them. 
Don't go to something that can't give you. That's the drugs and alcohol thing and food. It's not I don't want you to have good things. I gave you taste buds. But if you run to that for comfort, you're missing out on the comforter. It's all there because he's good. So here's one last thing I want to tell you. Man, I wish I had the picture. There's a picture of an African lion. Asian lions aren't as inspiring. I don't know if you knew that. And he's big, and he's got a nice mane that goes black. And he's kind of interested. You can see in his face, his mouth slightly open, almost like he's going like, <laughs> like that. And it says, the truth is like a lion. Set it free, and it'll defend itself. Ooh. I just described your semester, probably. <laughs> Does. Swimming in all these other teachings, but what Jesus says is true is truth. He is the truth. So let's sing Good Father. It's all in your own heart work this week. Thanks for coming. Let's sing Good Father.